Hey everybody, Professor here. Before we get started with today's show, we want to tell you about our friends at Pick a Jam. Pick a Jam is an interactive music card game that lets you be the DJ. Say you're sitting around with your friends at a kickback, at a party, or even in the car on a road trip, and you want to play some music to really get the conversation and, and, and get things moving between you and your buddies or your family. Nothing like Pick a Jam to get that started. What you do is you pick a card, you look at the card, you read what's on the card. And you play a song associated with what the card tells you to say. So let, let's look at the card real quick. It says, you never get tired of. So this would be a song that I would never get tired of. And a song that I never get tired of is Shawn Michaels' theme song. Because I think I'm cute and I know I'm sexy. But there's so many different songs, interest themes that would go along with the prompts on the card. Which is why Pick a Jam is one of my favorite games to play with my friends and my family. So if you go to the link tree in my bio or my social medias and all of that stuff. If you go there and you click and you go to pickajam.com, right? You put in the promo code be great, you'll get 10% off your purchase and free shipping. And we're basically giving it away at that point, man. It is a great game. It's awesome to play with your friends and family. Pick a jam is an official sponsor of the pay window with Profit Sloan and we urge you to go and check them out. Now enjoy the show. Sloan, what's that smell? It smells a little bit like arrogance. Is that you? Could be. I think it might be our match between Jake the Snake Roberts and Rick Martell from WrestleMania 7, the blindfold match. We're going to talk about it, but first, let's stuff some envelopes, folks. Welcome to the pay window. We appreciate y'all for joining us. My name is the Professor Nick Harrison at Mr. Professor 318 on all social media platforms. I want to thank you guys. We just hit 1.4 mil on TikTok. We appreciate you for that. Just past 40,000 on Instagram, man. It is blowing up over there. And we appreciate y'all for all of the support. Uh, it, it's getting pretty big and heavy. And I, I, I'm just thankful. We got some big projects on the way. And we're going to. Let y'all guys know, you, let you know about that when I can actually let you know about that. You know, we got a contract signed and blah, 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 but that's the getting over there. But another person with some big stuff in the works is my tag team partner, my co-host, Sloan Kettering, a.k.a. Sucio Sloan 217, a.k.a. Lewis Rich like the turkey bacon. Sloan, what's up, man? Hey, nothing much, man. Just enjoying the night, trying to, trying to get through the day. Just trying to beat Math 107. You know, it's it, it's a tough one. You know, my yeah. son is having problems with the math right now. We got him a tutor to try to help him with the math. I got so tutoring tomorrow. We're going to figure it out, man. We're going to all figure it out together. Hey, by the way, our show is sponsored by Pick a Jam. Our friends at Pick a Jam just passed 1,000 on TikTok themselves. So make sure you follow them so you can see their live adventures on social medias. Uh, if you get yourself a pack of these pick a jam cards right here, if you can see it through the green screen, there it is. Uh, if you go to the bio, the link in my bios, go to my link tree, go to pickajam.com and put in the promo code be great. You get 10% off your order. And uh, people are ordering the decks, they love them, they love having fun with the interactive uh, music card game that's really taking over social media. Uh, we might try to get our guest to play here in a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about him momentarily. But before we do, Sloan, 
how you feeling, man? We're getting close to WrestleMania. How do you feel about the build? What What are you excited about for Mania besides actually being able to go and be there that weekend in LA? What are you excited about? I'm excited to be drunk and hanging out with my friends. Here we go. Running through the streets. Um, you got to do hood rat things with your friends? Of course. And and the festivities, you know. Uh, you know, Wale Mania is Thursday night. Uh, Friday night is uh, resin mania, so you know I'm I'm gonna have a cloudy weekend. Uh, I, I I hear that, I hear that, and I see it. And you know you go out there and do your thing. And you know we're talking about uh, you just mentioned Wale Mania, uh, mm-hmm. and our guest tonight knows a lot about Wale Mania as he is deep deep in it. Uh, and he's, of course, going to talk about that and some other things. And I think I'm going to have his tag. We're going to have his tag team partner on here pretty soon. Uh, the host of Wrestle Rap produces different podcasts. Of course, he works with Renee Paquette. He's got so many things going on. So we are blessed that he has taken the time out of his busy schedule to come and talk to us about one of his favorite bills and favorite matches from WrestleMania past. Our boy, Emilio Sparks. Emilio, what's going on, my brother? Thank you for joining us on the pay window this week. Oh, man. Listen, Professor Nick, it is a pleasure to be on here. Sloan, my guy, was good. Thank you guys very, very much, man. I appreciate the, the love. Oh, man, we reciprocate that and send it right back to you, my brother. So first and foremost, man, what is it that made you a wrestler fan? Because you are deep in it, man. You, <laughs> you know a lot about the biz. You know a lot about the sport of professional wrestling. And, you know, you seem to have a real love for it. And you do have a real love for it. So where does that come from? Um, my uncle is only eight years my senior, so when we were little kids, uh, he would DDT me on the carpet when we would play wrestle, and we would watch WWE superstars and main event on Channel 5 in New York City, and it was just, it was there. I think my earliest memory with my Uncle Mike was watching, and shout out to Uncle Mike, because it was because of him that I'm I'm doing what I'm doing now, uh, and I think it was probably... SummerSlam 88, maybe 89, at my at my youngest recollection of what professional wrestling was to like really put it together. Like, oh man, wait a minute. Like this is this is cool. What is this? It's it's a you know, a cavalcade of colors just hitting you all at once and it's loud and these dudes are sweaty and like some of them wearing bright colors and they're screaming. And I was just like, this is interesting. And then he would, you know best to the uh you know best to uh, his abilities break it down for me to tell me what it was when you're kids and and yeah i guess from that moment on i was off to the races i was hooked i was like hook it up to my vein let's go (laughs) so if you think back to those times when you were young what is like one of your earliest memories of professional wrestling like what you you know you used to watch superstars man yeah. all this stuff what were yeah. like who were some of the superstars that you watched when you were younger that you really looked at and was like wow this guy is amazing like we all have that one or two people when we're kids yeah that we really yeah. latch on to who was that for you well again for me it was because of you know the teaching of my uncle so it was who he liked I liked because I wasn't old enough to formulate my own opinion on, oh, my God, this guy's great for this. So when Jake the Snake would come on, I'd yell, DDT, DDT. Or when Savage came on, it was, oh, yeah, you know? 
He was never a big Hogan guy, my uncle. So he just never drank the Hogan Kool-Aid, you know, and I'm glad that he didn't all these years later. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> We'd be having a different conversation right now. Real talk. Real so, talk, man. So, you know, um, but it was guys like that. It was Rick Rude, Rick Martell, Tito Santana. I guess my uncle really liked bump and feed work rate guys because – that's just what it was. And it's impressive to him because, you know, like he was relatively young too. He wasn't even like in puberty yet. And I was, he was really into like what it was. And even to this day, you know, he's a successful football coach out in Georgia. And once in a while, like when I was out there, when I go out there and visit and I'm like editing or I'm watching something to do some prep work, he'll sit down with me. And it's just like, it's like we're, we're back in the apartment that we were in as kids sitting on the floor with this cruddy brown rug. I still remember I still remember it to this day, sitting there watching it on a television that you had to turn the dial to and with the with the antenna with the rabbit ear antennas. Oh, and it yeah. takes me right back to what we're when him and I were just literally little kids. I can feel that stiff carpet and I didn't even I wasn't even in that room. Sloan, let me tell you something. Your cheeks would burn on that carpet, bro. I know, it I know was exactly what carpet you're talking about. You know, and like it was, it was fun, man. You know, cold cut sandwiches, sitting down, grape juice, man. just watching, He's watching sick. wrestling. Yeah, man. A bag of chips. <laughs> I was it. It was a bag of chips or me because I was I was young. I think I was I was like four, so I I probably still had that the fucking um. Uh, what do you call it? The bippy still hanging out in my mouth. Nice. <laughs> a pacifier. A pacifier. A yeah. <laughs> so, Sloan, do you have anything else for Emilio before we get into our match for tonight? What got you into radio? Oh, man, that's 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 easy, dude. That was uh, – it was a mixture. It was a mixture of Funkmaster Flex, Ed Lover, and – might be crazy opie and anthony that That was what got me that was what got me into radio and you know because again my uncle another he has been probably my greatest influence to push me to do the things that i i've done and i don't think my uncle michael really understands how much of an impact he had on me you know um you know when he wanted to throw the football around i could care less but when he was listening to buckshot and you know black moon and how many mcs must get dissed i'm sitting there and i'm just like whoa what is this you know and when we're listening to funk when hot 97 just starts when they just broke off and started their own thing right hot like they literally switched they switched formats they were a dance station then they went they went urban Funk Master Flex was one of the first guys to go there. So again, listening to that and not really understanding the mechanics of the business of radio, I was just like, man, this is, what is this? You can do this with a turntable? Like, cause I just thought the record player, you just drop it on the arm and you just listen and that was it. But to hear the cuts and the scratches and then you learn what technique 12s are and all this other stuff, he really put me on to game, man. And so much so that, you know, cassette tapes and whatever. And it was like, Stretching Bob, he put me on the Stretching Bob. He was like, oh, you got to listen to this, 88 Tech 9. Go, nephew, go off and do your own thing. And at that point, you're getting a little, you know, getting a little older. And 
you know, 92 comes in and I'm like six, seven years old listening to, to the woo. I'm like, I'm in man. Let's, let's go. Cause it was different, but you find out it's, Oh, this is my neighborhood. Yeah. This is exi- This is in my backyard. Mm-hmm. Like these guys are doing this here. And then like Wu Tang was honestly the gateway for everything else because you listen to Raekwon, then you hear Mob Deep. Mm-hmm. You listen to Biggie, you listen to Method Man, you hear Biggie Smalls. Mm-hmm. So to me, that was the Wu Tang was the gateway to every other thing. And my uncle didn't put me onto Wu Tang. It was my dad. My dad's a union construction worker, retired. And I guess some of the the, the his coworkers were bumping 36 chambers at lunch. And they pull up to him and they go, yo, OG, your son might like this. And they threw him the cassette tape. And my father was like, all right, cool. And then he took it home to me. He was like, hey, give it a listen. Some of the guys like it at the job. Go ahead. Have fun. Now, again, what parent is given bring the motherfucking ruckus to their kid to blast in their bedroom? It, it, it was just parents didn't didn't censor back then. They didn't check. It was yeah. it was it was so special. And 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 then it, it just it just stuck from there. And then. You know, I went to turntables and DJing and record collecting and Fat Beats and Beach Street and, you know, all these other little weird mom and pop stores in the city to try to really get some some unique records that really just were were in my wheelhouse. You know, I work with ESPN Radio in New Orleans Mm. and I've been doing radio for over a decade now. And people don't understand how much you hit a real nerve with me when you said O&A. Like people yeah. don't understand how influential O and A, Bob and Tom, no. they don't uh, get it. Lex and Terry, like a lot of these, they are just so influential into how, especially like morning shows on radio, how no. they do things, and it's just, it's man, you, what? my boy, yeah. Well, you know, Nick, everybody wants to give Stern the flowers, and you have to because right. he was the, he was, you know, it was like him, and to a degree, it was Imus to push certain, you know. Um, faux pas and certain minutiae into the mainstream where people want to listen, where it's more than just, you know, you're listening for 30 seconds, front sell, back sell into the record. You know what I mean? Like, and big shout outs to the, the, the dudes that paved the way for that, because I'm a big fan of cousin Brucey. Uh-huh. You know, he's, he's old school New York radio icon, you know, playing yeah. music from the fifties and sixties. I mean, he broke the Beatles on New York radio, yeah. but to hear guys like O and A, and I'll never forget this, man. I was no more than I was in junior high school, and literally they're doing just and the, literally the sexual innuendo jokes are going over my head because I didn't know shit. I was still playing with action figures. Feel me? <laughs> like you know, um, uh, and they're doing like Anthony's doing an impression of Popeye. And I guess he's talking about like having sex with a whale or whatever it was, right? And Opie's playing the the straight man. He's playing the the Dean Martin to Anthony's Jerry Lewis, right? And it, they would just set up the punch and knock it out the park. And as I got older and I re-listened to all this stuff, and I had a chance to, I worked at Sirius for ten years. All this stuff was in the database. Mm-hmm. I'm punching it up. I'm listening to it, and I'm like. Man, this was so good because it makes sense. It 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 definitely shows that you can stretch it out and you can talk for a living on like the mic, and you don't just have to have the umbrella of music when you're starting to run out of things. Right. And I think I specifically at that time when it was 1027 WNEW, I think O and A were were at their thing right before the Sex for Sam thing at the St. Patrick's Cathedral. You know that that. Uh, 
controversy, awkward situation. And then later on, like, you know, they self-imploded due to their own egos. But, you know, right. as a as a core, mm-hmm. they were they were probably and again, I might catch wreck for this, but I consider them the greatest one of the greatest radio shows to ever exist. And shout out to Bob and Tom, too. But that was more like regional to like you know more like the like like florida and like the south yeah. where ona was more like a metropolis new york chicago right. you know all those other spots and right. from right then and there i was like that's that's what i want to do you mean to tell me i can get up go to work at three o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> hang out with my boy talk all this nonsense I want, play some good records and collect the paycheck and be done by seven o'clock. So you need to tell me I can work a four hour day, five days a week, make some good money. Oh, I'm in. Sign me up. I don't, I, I ain't doing any other job. This is what I want to do. Boy, basically just like that's that you're speaking my life, man. <laughs> you mean, you, you mean to tell me that I can talk sports for like a couple hours a day, make a paycheck for it. Get paid for making sales for a show that I'm already doing, and I'm just talking to my homeboy doing the same thing I'd be doing at home for free. Like, just what God did I please? Like, it's that's just- and that's what it was. So I decided to do that on my college radio show, yeah. and it was like it was like a man. You would have you would have thought like I was I was ripping pages out of the Bible and burning it at that place because they were like, <laughs> you can't talk like this on here, and da 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 da. And I was just like, I'm gonna keep on doing it. Yeah. And you're not going to say anything because there's rules and guidelines that you do follow. And I remember they enforced a three minute time rule. And, and I was on at two, like 10 p.m. till 2 a.m. Come out of like a like a like a 10 song, you know, set with like dip set and and like, you know, murders in it. I'm, then I'm going to come out and I'm going to talk about the date that I had that went horribly wrong. Or whatever the case would have been back then, you know, like or whatever and to me it was just always the truest form of expression the truest form of creativity to sit there talk through a microphone and then you don't know who you're talking to now it's a little bit different the algorithm and what you do now is you develop your audience and you curate your audience and we herd them in like cattle to create the audience that we want but back in the day you weren't doing that so you had to be Super interesting. You had to have, you always had to hit your beats and you had to make sure that if you were music, your music had to be right and you had to do something different again. So to me, that was always the best and most organic feel. Now, has that changed? Oh, yeah, it's completely changed in radio. But, but man, you go and you listen to like podcasts, and even though those are oversaturated now, you're curating just basically what old school radio was doing that's what a this is what this is this is what a podcast is whether or not it's sports wrestling mindfulness therapy sleep podcast religious podcast exercise podcast business podcast whatever the case may be all we're doing is we're just we're, we're keeping the same medium all we're doing is just putting a new coat of paint on it and calling it a podcast right. essentially what we're doing is radio nothing changes the concept of radio is simple be entertaining Make sure you hit your beats, like I said before, and keep it moving on to the next thing. And don't dwell on the, the one thing too long. And that's, right. it. that's it. That's it. And I love it, man. <laughs> Since we're talking about music and the yes, music sir. that we love, there's a uh, music card game that we play every week here on the show. It's called Pick a Jam. You basically pick a card, 
uh, you go with the prompt on the card. You pick a song that goes along with the prompt. And we wanted to play with you real quick before we get into this match because we are dying to get into this match. Yeah, let's do it. I've, I've shuffled the deck. A song that makes you dance. A song Ooh. that makes you dance. So, Emilio, what is a song? Give me one song that makes you dance. Could it? Does it have to be up tempo? Is it down tempo? Is just any any record? All right, whatever you want. So I'm gonna pick two. If I'm doing a slow dance and I'm trying to be romantic with a lady, I'm gonna pick uh, something from Frank Sinatra and Antonio Carlos Jobim. Oh. Okay. It, yeah, man, the the Godfather of bossa nova jazz, and it's called "Must You Dance Quite So Close." That's that's a nice one when you just wanna wanna be romantic with with your with your partner. And if I just literally wanna, I guess wanna shake my tush, um, I think one of the like the first songs that I, I remember, um, you know, uh, dirty dancing to at a school dance, <laughs> was uh, you know literally when we're just grinding pelvises and not really knowing anything else. It was probably something from Shaba Ranks, and it was like, or maybe like. I would say Shaba, or if I was a rich girl, <laughs> you know, because it was funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, not even. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the. No, I'm talking about the the reggae version. Oh, man. I'm going. I'm going back. I'm not talking about Gwen Stefani. I'm talking. I know what he was talking about. Yeah, I'm talking about where you're young and your jeans are chafing together, and you don't know what's going on, but there's friction, and you're literally listening to like some of the dopest. Yo. And like everyone falls in love sometimes, and it's literally like yo yo yo, what you know about me with the bro bro, like you know something like that probably, or maybe like little vicious or something. It was just like you know just something reggae though, definitely for sure. It would be probably one of the. And you put on anything from about like ninety two to ninety six, I'll I'll start moving, and I don't even need a drink in my system. Boy, that's ooh, yeah, slow, slow uh, that makes you dance. Never too much, Luther Vandross. Oh, it's just the first keys. That's a good one too. It gets me every time. Yeah, for me it's September. September always, baby. Do you remember the twenty? Oh, always gets me popping, man. Anytime they come, especially if I'm at like a. Uh, a wedding reception, and I've had a little bit too much, even though it's never too much apparently. But yeah, it's it's where it's at, man. Most you, definitely. You know, it's a dope Luther Vandross song, "The Glow of Love." Oh, that's a good one. Man. That one gets me moving too. You you speaking my mama's language now? Or, or, uh, <laughs> that's what I grew up on, though. Right? Same, same. Or same. or Pyt by Michael Jackson. Oh, that's yeah, a good that's, one. A good. that's a good one too. If I'm doing slow dancing, uh, the girl is mine. Since we're talking about Mike, the girl is mine. Oh, that's just the doggone oh. girl is mine. Oh, we doing slow dancing? Oh, we that, oh, we doing we can do two. Here we, we go. go. Um, Creep in by Ideal. Oh, <laughs> here we go. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's, that's what's up. That was that's a banger. It, yes, absolutely, man. Thank you. So that's that's fantastic. Remember, if you go to pickajam.com. And use the promo code be great all one where you get 10% off your purchase of a pick a jam deck. And they have specialty decks for kids and that kind of stuff. It's all really cool, man. So make sure you go to pickajam.com and check them out today. Now, let's go ahead and get into this match. I know the show is getting good. 
But we want to take a quick time out to tell you about our friends at Pick a Jam. So Pick a Jam is this interactive music card game that lets you be the DJ. You know, it's sometimes when I'm hanging out with my family, family or when I'm chilling with Sloan, it's hard for us to figure out who's going to get control of the stereo, who's going to get control of the music. So we'll pull out a deck of Pick a Jam. Pick a Jam right here. All right. So what you do is you take a card. And then, depending on what's on the card, you play a song that's associated with the prompt. Let's pick a card right now. And it said, with a number in the title. Wow. That is, uh, uh, you know, I, what I would think of, Big E's theme song, Three and Enough, man, I need five. Now, we, uh, he doesn't use it anymore, but it's still one of my favorite interest themes ever. And I still play it all the time. And I think it's still available on streaming services. So... Things like that are, are what really get the conversation started and you tell stories that go along with it. And I just kind of told a story right there about how I used to love that theme song and you listen to it all the time still now. And that's how conversations get started. That's how fun gets started between you and your family and friends. And it's all because of Pick a Jam. So if you go to the link in my bios and all of my social medias and stuff, and that link tree is a link to the Pick a Jam website, or you can just go to Pick a Jam. Dot com. You go there, you order your deck, and if you or if you use the promo code "be great," all one word, you get ten percent off of your purchase. You really can't beat that at all. So, make sure you go check out our friends at Pick a Jam, an official sponsor of the Pay Window with Prof and Sloan. Now. Let's get back to the show. WrestleMania 7, we actually had a little bit of a watch-along before we started recording the show tonight, uh, looking at the build into this match. Now, before we actually start talking about it, Emilio, why did you pick this match? Why you? Uh, there were a couple ones from, uh, I think, for WrestleMania 7 specifically that you, uh, that you wanted to talk, that you suggested, but we went with the blindfold match. Why did you suggest this one? Oh, because you're going to get, like, specifically now everybody loves to talk about psychology and nuance and, you know, everything that's going on with the with the bloodline, right? Like a deep, long storyline that just has all this, like, you know, just all these little tentacles that you can branch off on and, you know, hypothesize. But to this, it's it's professional wrestling with amazing psychology and a six-month build that was unheard of. Now it's unheard of, you know, back then they only had, again, they had, they had, you know, syndicated television. So if I'm watching it in New York and you're watching it in New Orleans, it's the same show, but they're only giving it to us in spurts and once a week, we don't have, you know, 11 hours of professional wrestling to go to every week on television. So you had to, so you were getting your Jake, the snake Roberts and Rick Martell segment for about maybe five minutes in total, if that. You know, sometimes it would be a little bit longer if they're doing like a brother love and they did a couple of brother loves. But for the most part, those were in and out real quick, you know, and it starts with Martel spraying the the snake bag and saying that, you know, because he's trying to get this arrogant thing over and he's been trying to really work on this this Rick the model Martel gimmick because, you know, he literally turned on Tito Santana and now he's you know, going into the world of, well, we all need characters now. Everybody needs a character. That's what Vince was thing was. So it's like, okay, now he's the model and he's chiseled and he's good looking and he's got the hair and the douchey 80s ponytail, you know, and he's really going for it at this point. He's, he's really working the atomizer and he's saying that people smell and he smells good and here's this fragrance. You know, he was Badu and Gwyneth Paltrow before Gwyneth and, and, and 
and Badu were selling their own fragrances. You know what I mean? Even though the atomizer was just filled with water. The crazy part about it was then he sprays it in Jake's eye. And then it's off to the races from there for six months. And now they're taking this, like, I blinded him. I show no remorse for this whatsoever. Like, the hell with him. He smells. He ain't on my level. He's a snake. I got snakeskin boots. I got a snakeskin belt. I'm better than you. He's pretty much, you know, what it is. He's he's braggadocious. And Jake is just plotting his revenge. And at first, like, they take you on the ride. Oh, my God. Is Jake blind? Is it over with? Is this career done? Did he really blind Jake the Snake Roberts? How is he going to see? He's a professional wrestler. And then the the bill to the doctor's office. And he says the effects might be reversible. There might be more damage. Jake's eyes going this way. It's going up. It's going down. It's like he's really like milking it up right now to to get more emotion. Here, Mr. Roberts put on these corrective dark sunglasses. Hopefully they work. And they all go back on Brother Love again. Now, Brother Love is tormenting Jake the Snake Roberts, right? Pushing away the podium, twisting him around, you know, moving around. And Jake's like trying to get his bearings together. He, Brother Love gives him one of those like blind sticks that Daredevil uses. Jake tries to mollywop him with that. Brother Love moves. Everybody's pointing and ha ha ha. And out comes Rick Martell, starts pushing him around. He's egging him on. And then what happens? Bang, Jake catches him. Bang, DDT, place erupts. And then that sets up for the blindfold match. And then Jake Roberts cuts one of the coldest promos before even entering the ring for WrestleMania seven, where it's like you can, everybody else has their senses, but a snake has six. And he's like, I don't need my eyes. And then you hear the music and he walks out and right then and there, they already got you in the palm of their hand. And all they did was just tell a simple, simple story for six months. It's the it's 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 a tale as old as time. A babyface is blinded by a heel, but what they did with that and playing on the sympathy and I guess maybe there was no internet, so it was easier to do. But what they did was play on raw emotion. And I had Jake Roberts on Wrestle Rap, and we got into this like, you know, deep. And he said that's his favorite match of all. And then I asked him, I was like, "How was the payday?" And he's like, "It was the highest payday." I, I ever got because of a WrestleMania. He goes, but why I like the match was he goes, it's simple. Everybody wants to do everything and anything now. But if you can just tell the simple story and lay it out and walk forward and don't deviate from that plan, you're going to get them in the palm of your hand. He goes, you go back. And he said, go back and watch the match. Watch what we did. He goes, it was tit for tat. It was body language. Yes, everything was, you know, we had a couple of ideas. But mostly it was just on the spot in the ring and just pointing for three minutes. They're pointing, guys. You get to see this. They're pointing for three minutes. And the crowd gets louder and louder and louder every time Jake Roberts gets close to Rick Martell. And at this point, you want to see Rick Martell get the just the shreds ripped off of him because of what he did. And you'll see what we what we see. We can basically just shut the podcast down now because that right there was some of the best, the best storytelling ever. I don't, we don't need really need to do it anymore, but we will because we're obligated to for the next couple of minutes. Uh, right. no. <laughs> but here's a fun fact, though. Here's a fun yeah. fact about that. Um, there is an I guess I don't know if it's an, an old man event or an old superstars, but to push the process even further and I guess to test out 
the blindfold match. If you go back, you search Rick Martel versus Coco Beware. There was a blindfold match between Rick and Coco. Wow. And it's literally right before what he and Jake did. So it doesn't get the same reaction. Yeah. But you could tell they were test like you you could tell that Rick Martel wanted to test it out. And if you put him and Jake together first, like at a house show, it wouldn't have worked. Mm-hmm. And then because then you 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 bop your top too quick. And now people are already seeing it. Why are they going to go and buy the pay-per-view? Right. I like it. It's, it. It was an entertaining match to watch and an entertaining build to watch as well. There are certain parts of that that really kind of popped me. I, I, I found it to be hilarious. Like the stuff that, I, like I told y'all before, I had I got my eyes dilated for the first time ever last week. And they had to put those drops in my eyes. I kind of felt like Jake in the optometrist's office. Like, ah, what is this? It burns. Oh, God. <laughs> and he's just got the wrap on his eyes, sitting in the optometrist chair. And it's like, but that's how you sell it, man. And that's one of the things that I always loved about Jake the Snake Roberts specifically is that he knew how to sell it. Like, he knew how to sell it real well. He was a great storyteller, one of the greatest storytellers, if not the greatest storyteller in the history of professional wrestling because he knew how to make you feel. He knew how to make you remote. He knew how to pull it out of you. And we had a lot of that during this storyline, especially with the Brother Love segments. Now, we talk a lot about Piper's Pit and some of these other segments, uh, shows that they had in the WWE back in the day. Uh, where, you know, how, on what level do we have like Brother Love's? Like, I love you. Like, where do we put that in the pantheon of interview shows that WWE has done over the years? Like, where where would you put it? I, I would say it's probably, it's high up there. I think you can, I say the top three could be Piper's Pit, Miz TV, and and the Brother Love Show. And I think specifically Brother Love what wasn't really a wrestling manager. Yeah, he was the dude that him and DiBiase kind of brought The Undertaker in. But you never really saw Brother Love get in the mix with anything but this evangelical televangelist gimmick. For And Bruce absolutely demolishes this gimmick. Yeah. He's one of the best. And, you know, he knew as well how to be annoying, how to get a, a reaction out of a crowd, put all the heat on him. So when he did interview a babyface, the pop was just enormous. And then he would set up the prompts for what would go on, specifically things like this with Jake the Snake Roberts or or when Ultimate Warrior gets put into the casket and the 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 big boss man is coming out banging on it with a hammer. You know what I mean? Like all of these like little things were set up with that. So it's like, OK, we, we want to let's get all the heat on this guy. And then the baby comes out. And they, they, they're on the level of whoever the main event guy is, whoever the champion is at that time. So that is a testament to itself. And to get a character like that over where, again, all they really do are these segments. And the segments aren't on TV every week. They would use they would literally use Brother Love in spurts. They wouldn't. He wasn't a consistent figure. But you remember Brother Love. It's like, oh, man, wait a minute. Brother Love was on almost every week. No, he wasn't. That's just a testament to how good Bruce Pritchard was. He made you believe that Brother Love was there every week, but he also made you believe that he was slimy and like dastardly and never really cared for the good guy and was always rooting for the bad guy. And every time the bad guy would come out on top, he would get a jolly out of it. And case in point, the buildup that we've seen with Martell and, and, and Jake Roberts, it was 
it was that you need the linchpin to set everything off. Had just, you know, had Rick Martel came out and cut that promo in the middle of the ring by himself, it wouldn't have worked because feed question, get question answered, feed question, get question answered. Sub new subject comes in. Now you have a third person in and now you watch Pritchard, how he tells the story and how he moves it forward. Sometimes these guys don't do that because they have to be focused on, okay, I have to say this and then this is going to happen. Pritchard moves everything around. He's moving the chess pieces around on the board. If you go back and watch this, you'll see how he does that. And he does it all the time. It's just a matter of now just pushing the agenda forward, getting the heat on on the, the heel and making sure the baby face comes out even more of a baby face. Cause now you feel for Jake Roberts, like you feel, you feel bad for this guy. But meanwhile, this was the same guy that was like, that, that would go on and would torture Randy macho man savage and put a Cobra in a box. You know what I mean? So it was like, so in order to, and, and Roberts would flip flop too, you know, as a heel and a baby face. So he came off a heel run. And now he was like getting rebuilt as a babyface, and then there just was the icing on the cake. But again, that goes to how good Rick Martel and Bruce Pritchard were. Absolutely, and Jake going back and forth like that is a real testament to him and how good he was because he mm-hmm. could always just seamlessly go back and forth between heel and face and just not miss a beat at all. Wait, if you think about it, there was no what was the character of Jake the Snake Roberts? There wasn't really a character of Jake the Snake Roberts. He had the name the Snake because they had they saddled him with a with a python, mm-hmm. but Jake never really had a a character. The one thing he was, he was methodical and he was cold. He was calculating and he was cunning, whether he was a heel or whether he was a baby face. And when Jake would, when everybody else would scream, let me tell you something, brother, or whatever, Jake the Snake Roberts would just be monotone and even keeled. And he would just speak at a soft tone and you would listen more. And you're like, I'm in. Yeah. Simple. Hundred percent. Absolutely. Sloan, what about you? Brother Love, where would you put it? It's interesting that he said Ms. TV because Ms. TV, no one gives Ms. the credit he deserves on any level of being a wrestler, being an entertainer, being a great guy on commentary, being a great guy behind the scenes when he used to do the behind the scenes work that Byron Saxton does now. When he first started out, nobody gave him credit because he was the uh, the, the he won he was on Tough Enough, right? He was on yeah, he was on Real World, and he, he was, was on, on Tough World. Enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I remember Miz from being on Real World. As same. When he would get drunk, he would turn into a wrestler. Right. So, like, for you to say he's in the top three of TV shows, like, on-air TV shows, yeah, I like that. Uh, Piper's Pit, I would give Brother Love. It's in the top ten. Because I still like Jericho's show uh, with the Jeritron 6000. And it has memorable moments from, like, when he threw Sean through the TV and messed up his eye, and mm-hmm. put that in quotations. Messed up his eye and stuff like that. I I I do like shows like that. I like Edge's show, uh, the Final Cut, or when he had his show. But yeah, Brother Love is in the in the in the top ten. I give it the top ten. But it 
uh, which one was the barber shop? That was Brutus Beefcake. Right. I like that one as well. It has wow. another moment of Sean throwing Marty through the glass pane window. So it's it's a lot of memorable things. Was on did Undertaker and uh Jake yeah they had the that was on that one too when they did the one with uh ultimate warrior and uh, but that was brother that was brother loves they were on brother love show and they did that on brother love and then That's paul barra had one later on called the funeral parlor right yeah yeah see see but yeah it's it's it, it's great moments on that and i bear i vaguely remembered that because a i'm terrified of snakes and uh b i didn't want to be trapped in that room with the undertaker standing in the doorway while the ultimate warrior is getting attacked by snakes and he can't get out no nah, i don't think i want to be a six-year-old kid watching <laughs> that and trying to figure out life after that i i'd have to go brother love is a th- uh, top three top five it's up there pretty high uh i was always a fan of the dirt sheet uh back when miz and morrison were doing their thing i thought that was uh pretty hilarious i love miss tv as well uh longevity for Miz TV for me is what gives it a lot. You know, it's the same reason that a lot of people put LL pretty high on their rapper list is because of mm-hmm. longevity and how long he was able to do it. Miz TV has been around for a lot longer than people really realize, and it's continuously been one of those shows that you know it is must see TV whenever it's on now because there's always something that happens that goes towards something else that's like a match or something like that. It's just, it's very entertaining to watch or else it builds on something that the Miz is doing. So I, I can see that with Miz TV. I put it up there pretty high. Brother Love for me is top three, top four, top five, uh, pretty high up there because of what Pritchard was able to do with the character and because of the, 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 what it was based off of because the timeliness of it all back when tele televangelists and like church on TV was huge during that time. So they capitalized on it. And then the red face and all that stuff that just really played into it. So I, I, I yeah, it's pretty high up there for me. And uh, it was an integral part of this storyline between the model Rick Martell, as you say, you know, he was becoming the model. Now he's trying to get over with the atomizer and the arrogance and spraying everybody and spraying Jake in the eyes, which led to this blindfold match at mm-hmm. WrestleMania seven. Now the, it, it was, they put the bags over their heads. And of course, Rick playing the part of the heel doesn't want it on. He's refusing it at the beginning of the match. They finally get it on him. They finally get the match started. Uh, and it was just a couple minutes of pointing around, trying to get the crowd to help out and see where's this person, how are we going to get to it? I love the fact that for a concept that so many people would fumble the bag on, they really, they they really hammered this one home and, and did a really good job with selling it and making it into something that's watchable and believable, especially with everything that went on with Jake and Rick. So I love the way that this match played out. Emilio, you know, with the match and how it was, how do you like the execution of how they made this work. Well, if you look at it, right, wrestling fans want to be a part of the show, right? It's why we throw up, like, scissors and two sweets and crotch chops or whatever. This is the ultimate let's bring them in and let's use them as a as a divisive tool to push this forward. Right. So when Rick Martell is moving around or bumping into the ref 
and Jake is pointing to get to him. Is he over here? No. Is he over here? No. Is he over? And then the moment they point to him, yes, he starts to move that way. Rick Martel goes in the opposite direction. So Martel's going to go from this side to this side while Jake's going this way. And then when they finally catch headlock, take over, throw off the rope, come back around, leapfrog, boom, comes off. Oh, wait a minute. Now they're out again. He rolls out of the ring. Jake rolls out of the ring. Now they're walking around the ring. Martel grabs a chair, thinks that Jake the Snake's right around him. Bang! Hits the hits the ring post. Sells the thing that his hands are killing him now, right? Now they're moving around. Go back into the ring. Again, more nothing. It's a match of nothingness. Yeah. But it was so but it was so smart and so well done that it was like, okay, let's use the fans and we're going to give them legitimately three minutes of physical contact spread out and then he tries to hit him with the the boston crab he doesn't get him moving around moving around now heenan also too you have to big this up heenan and gorilla monsoon were selling this on commentary as well yes. you have to remember that for the people watching at home that was and, the best part them selling it yeah and so when you guys asked before who was the ring announcer it was mike mcgurk she was with wwe from about 86 to 94 okay. so that's the that's the ring announcer. She was a nice. female ring announcer, Mike McGurk. Um, I think her dad was a wrestler. Um, but uh, then the ending happens, right? And Jake finally gets him. Again, more pointing. Turns him around. They, they bump, turns him around. Bang, DDT. Hits the DDT. Now, to add a little bit more, what, Jake can't find him to make the cover. Right. And you're like, no! What? Oh. And then he he finds him, he touches him, and he rolls over one, two, three. Now, the most important thing, and it's the greatest part in the world, it's such a great shot. It's hard cam. Mike McGurk, you know, says, and the winner, Jake the Saint. And then the, the, they pull the mat, they pull the hood off of him, and he's breathing heavy, and he just has this, like, like this, this look on his face. Like, it's relief that he got. In kayfabe, it, he got he avenged his his injury and avenged the guy that tried to take him out. But also, too, you could tell he was very very happy with the course of that match. And there's this like real shit eating grin on his face, like oh my god, like this moment of like, yeah, that was crazy. And and to and to me that that shows how good that match was. It's literally up there. It's one of my favorite matches of all time. I think it is, with no exaggeration. In my top five of WWE slash F matches, just because it was built off a simple psychology of less is more. Mm -hmm. And it was it was good. It was well executed. And you couldn't do that, I don't think, without those two. Because Rick Martell is such a great bump and feed guy that anytime like Jake laid out one, two, and three, he knew, okay, I gotta do four, five, and six. And he really knew how to uh, – There again, you watch that exchange that they get, headlock, take over, push over, sunset, flip, trying to get him over. Like that lockup, it was great. And But again, that was all Martel in that part. And then Jake just – Jake let him. And Martel was right there. You got it. I got you. Whatever you need. Let's go. Because you really couldn't talk to each other. No. I liked it. I, I love how they tried to get the atomizer. They, they put the atomizer in the match. You yeah. know, Martel, you know, they they fed that in there because they were trying. They were go. They were gonna push that right there. Now mm -hmm. you're with Rick Martel. That you gonna get this atomizer. You gonna get this arrogance. 
you're going to see it every time you see him. He's going right. to bring it out. He's going to make this thing work. And they made it work, man. Like you said, it was it was a great match to watch. And it was a lot of fun. And, you know, again, Jake Roberts is just really high on my list because he did everything so well. Like he wasn't I wouldn't call I wouldn't say he was the greatest wrestler of all time. But what I would say is he's really high on the list. He's he works with everybody well. And that man can cut a promo about as good as anybody in the business. He may be the greatest promo in the history of the business. Well, you also I, have to remember, you yeah. got to remember too, like there's a difference between a wrestler and a performer. Now, Jake mm-hmm. was and Jake is, will always be a professional wrestler. Yeah. But where Jake made his bones was in Memphis and in the Carolinas and in Texas. So he really didn't have the character. So yeah, Jake, Jake's style never really deviated from what he was but again jake when jake did bump he was also another very good bump and feed guy but what made jake special was when he got to the bigger stage and vince is like okay i got this and i got this i got all the i don't need the wrestlers you guys all know how to wrestle i need you guys to become performers and entertainers like when I would work with some some wrestlers at MLW when I was a segment producer, I would tell them, "Y'all know how to work. We're not like we know that. What we need to do is pull out the the drama. What we need to do now is pull out the similes, the metaphors, the words, the the character stuff, because you can watch a great match and they can do all the the flips or whatever, and you're entertained, but." You're like, all right, that was great. But man, when you watch something and it connects with a performer and they perform and it's like it, it, it's like a musical or like a Broadway play or something and it, like everything works, that's when it clicks and you're like, this person has it. So when you put the right people together to tell this story and they dance the way that they dance, now you're having the opportunity. So Vince goes to Jake, all right, Here's your bullet points. I need you to say this, this, and this. Plug this at home. Take it home. Now you have time to sit there and go, okay. Hogan yells. Savage yells. Boss man yells. Okay. I'm going to talk, but I'm going to do it several octaves low. That's performing. That's what's going to make you stand out. And he did. And he always, I mean, even when he was working with, oh man, what did he do with Alice Cooper? And Alice Cooper came. I think it was WrestleMania three. Yeah, WrestleMania three. WrestleMania with three. The snake. The yeah. only the only visual that they wanted at the end of that because it would be in Rolling Stone. It would be all over MTV. Is Alice Cooper holding that snake? Yeah. That's all they wanted. And Jake's right next to him. That's money. That's what people remember. It's creating the moments. So when you're a performer and you create the moments, you know what people care about. They care about the entrance. And they care about the finish. Mm-hmm. Everything else in the middle, man, you could you can fart in the ring for an hour. Yep. And people will still be entertained. It's just a matter of hit this and go home with that. You're good. Beautiful. Beautiful, man. And really, yo, this has been a real treat and pleasure, man. And we really appreciate having you on the show tonight. Oh, thank you. I mean, I can get real nerdy with this, though, bro. I can get oh, real oh, nerdy. Oh, with we're it. with it. We're, we're with nerds. It. 
Dude, we're nerds. What do you Look, want? Every everybody's a nerd for something. Yeah. Talk nerdy to me. Like seriously. Make it happen. But we also, appreciate you coming. Yeah, go ahead. Also being a nerd, uh Ms. TV debuted September 17th, 2012. 20 years, man. 2012. It's no, it's it's only been eleven. Yeah. Eleven. Eleven. I was told there would be no math. I was a professor of English, not math, man. Come on. Give me dang it. What do you want from me? All right, so 10 years, a decade of yeah. TV. great. 11 years, one of them. I don't care. So <laughs> let me get out of here before I have to add something else up. Uh, usually at the end of a show, we will give a certain like grading scale for the match that we watch. And since we watched the blindfold match, tonight we'll do blindfold. So from zero to five blindfolds, Emilio, how many would you give this match? Oh, I'm giving it five right off rip. You have to. <laughs> you have to. Come on, man. Jake and Jake and, and Martel killed that shit. That's five. That's a give, give that's a Meltzer star right there, brother. Wow. <laughs> high praise. That's yeah. high praise right there. Nah, nah. Uh uh Sloan, how many blindfolds would you give this match? So I remember watching this as a kid. And I thought this was a fantastic match as a kid because you're like, oh, it's two dudes out here with blindfolds on really fighting. Till I watched it again today. And the first thing I noticed is that I could see the holes in Jake the Snake's mask. <laughs> as soon as it came on, I was yeah. like, you know what? Uh, this is a four now. And now I'm older. I'm like, eh, three and a half. I'll give it three and a half blindfolds just for okay. that. But right. outside of everything else, right. like when you're a kid and you don't understand it, it's like, oh, this is amazing. Now as an adult and I can see behind the curtain, I'm like, ah, <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a three and a half. Right, right, right. right but it was right. great. It was great. I enjoyed it. It's like eight yeah. minutes of two minutes worth of work. It's it's the best. It literally that's why I gave it a five because of the performance element to it. Like there is a there is a performance aspect that is so it's literally it's it's theater and it plays with your mind and it plays with your emotions. And they took you on the roller coaster throughout the whole time. The whole that's time. And now that's why I'm gonna give it a five as well, because of what they were able to put into it. Because look at I look at it like this, man. Sloan, I'm I'm with you, man older you go back and watch the match you're like oh i see that i see that they're not really blind but the fact that they were able to pull everybody in for as long as they did and they were able to pull it off the way that they did if my five-year-old son would have watched this match his mind would be blown how can they fight if they can't see it is just that 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 right there that's what it's about man is pulling people in making it believable and that's exactly what they did so yeah and plus again i i thought that i was with rick martell back in the day going back and watching it now i'm like man i need to see more rick martell matches like gee the model rick martell like this dude had no shirt and a bow tie on what what is he working for chippendales what is this like Let me just, tell you something, man. That brother can go, bro. His days yep. in a his days in AWA and a really slept on WCW television title run. Uh huh. If he didn't rip his knee to shreds, he would have had a very good WCW title. Like literally, his run in WCW before he got injured was dope. Like 
Rick can work. I don't know where he is now. You don't see him. I'm salivating to interview this man because I feel there's so much you can get out of him. And nobody gives him his flowers. He needs to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. 100%. I'm, I'm mad. Now that you've told me that he's not, I didn't realize that he wasn't in the Hall of Fame. It's ridiculous no. that he's not. No, he, he should he be. Should, he should take Stacey Keebler's place. Now, I'm not going to say all of that, but I, <laughs> and I, I love Stacy. I just I, don't know what she's I done know to go into the Hall of Fame. But I, I look, man, Rick Martel, just what he was able to do during his WWE run, not just as the model, but even before that. And uh, what was he? It was him and Tom Zink in the Can Am Connection, right? Mm-hmm. It was him yeah. and Tom Zink, and then it was him and Tito Santana at Strike Force. Yeah, so, yeah, man. Like he had a long career with the WWE. And again, like you said, his run in WCW is extremely underrated. Uh, I love what Martel was able to do in his career. And uh, yeah, let, let's go ahead and start the uh, the, 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 the change.org uh, petition right now for Rick Martel to the WWE Hall of Fame. Because uh, it's well deserved. Uh, he had video. a banger against Shawn Michaels at at SummerSlam, like a few, like when it was in England, o- over the like, and it was over um, Sherry Martel, like the affections the of Sherry Martel. Yeah, you go back and watch that too. Martel always delivered. He never not delivered. Never, never. He always hit, man, one hundred percent. So, Emilio, thank you for coming on again. Oh, we man. appreciate it. Uh, Wale pleasure. Mania, like he says yes. right there, tickets are on sale right now. Make sure you go and check it out, Emilio. If there's anything else that you want to plug, including Wale Mania, now's the time. Go ahead and hit it. Okay. So, real quick, Wale Mania, Wale Mania, Wale Mania. We Next have Thursday. Next Thursday. It, it's man. We have so many surprises. When I tell you, this is probably going to be our biggest Wale Mania yet. Like, that's no exaggeration because, like, me, Kaz, and Wale have really crafted an incredible interactive fan fest, fan love show that you will ever see. And you get to see Wale in concert. Like, what? Like, if that doesn't sell you on it, the fact that, like, and we have some great, we have a really great lineup, but the surprises... Just wait. So get your tickets now. Um, I got a podcast. It's called Rassle Rap. I gotta have you guys on. Um, it's hosted by me and the Mighty Vin. Big shout outs to the Mighty Vin. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rassle Rap W R A S S L E R A P. You can follow me on Twitter as well and Instagram at Emilio Sparks E M I L I O S P A R K S. I also have a. I also produce the sessions with Rene Paquette. Please go and listen to that. We have a YouTube channel. Help us get to two hundred thousand. We're almost there. Go and check her out. She's incredible. She's Renee. How can you not love her? That's one of my favorite people in the world. I also produce um one ep pod. What ep is life? It's a podcast hosted by Peter Rosenberg and DJ Cipher Sounds. So if you like hip hop and just really a interesting take on pop culture. They are the the OG hip-hop podcast in the game, and we have a YouTube channel as well. Please go and subscribe for that. One Ep is Life. And uh, I don't know, go back and listen to old episodes of Talk and Shop with Gallows, Anderson, and Rocky Romero because I produced that too. So go and, go and listen to that. They have a YouTube channel as well. Get caught up on everything there. Uh, I don't know. Just support my work. What can I, what can I say? But again, Wally Mania tickets on sale now. The VIP section is completely sold out. We have a few Gen Pop areas left, nothing crazy. But I'm telling you, if you want to see Who Kid, Mecha Dot, and TJ Banks, DJ, three of the greatest DJs you could think of. I mean, we got DJ Who Kid. 
So it's it's going to be a good time just based off the music alone. Then the the rest, then the, the whole wall of wrestlers coming through. Like I had a great time last year uh, in Dallas. So yes. I know this year is going to be fantastic. So Sloan, that wait. was Sloan. That was the away game, bro. This is the home game. Yeah, and that's what that's what I was telling everybody. Like you have to go to the one this year. And like next year in Philly is gonna be crazy. I know that one. I will but be like there next this year, year. This year is gonna be the crazy one. I'm mad this that is, I ain't gonna be there this year because I'm gonna be in England. But I'll be there next year. I'll be in the, Philly. This is game seven, home game. Oh. This is the championship game. Oh. Like we're not playing. Well, we we're, must pop champagne bottles like we won the championship game. And we're going to do that because this is the reason for the season. There's a reason why we are the hottest event outside of like WrestleMania. Like people want to come, like people hit us up right after Royal Rumble, like clockwork, because they know that we start planning around Rumble. Mm-hmm. No, and I we go asking since uh, SummerSlam <laughs> last year. I was like, I was ready. Now I've been ready for this. I, I will say this before we get to Sloan and his plugs, Emilio. I'm asking as a favor to Jay Uso, please keep lovely away from him. Like seriously, just get that man some extra security. I don't know if Solo gonna be able to do it. Whatever you got to do, like protect that dog. man from the Uzi Juicy Hoochies because they are they are they on are the locked in. They are on the on Jaquan. Uso, as they have named him now, just be uh, careful. I think it would be a Wale Mania first if he, if uh, Solo Sokoa hits Lovely with a Samoan spike and she drops down. I think that'll be a Wale Mania first, and he's just literally beating up women to protect his brother. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, there it I'm is. gonna text her. <laughs> you should. You know, well, you watch should. out. Watch out! I, I, I've I've heard from the uh, Samoan dynasty, and you, know? you might want to watch out. Just for you the know? record, that is not the Samoan spike that Lovely is looking for. That's all I'm gonna say. That's not. Put on box. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> no, you wait. The show is not out. done. Get back in here. Plug shout your out. stuff. Uh, shout out to Lovely, man. We love Lovely, man. Shout out to Lovely. Yeah. Lovely uh, Hi, baby. The pay window. We got to have her back on again. We love her. Yeah. Sloan, what, what's, your, what's your plug in? Uh, oh, CCO Sloan 217 out everything. Actually, just on TikTok because I'm at 655. Get this I'm man to 1,000 to a thousand. followers, please. So, yeah. Uh, Susio Boys every Tuesday. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Every Tuesday and Thursday, Coffee with Rev on Twitter Spaces. Rev finally showed up to work today, which is amazing. After three months of me uh, doing this by myself. Of course, the pay window every Tuesday. I mean, every Thursday. um, You know, drink water. Wash your butt. Mind your business. uh, Speak up. Speak out. Don't let nobody silence you. All that good stuff that I normally say. uh, Yeah, that's it. That's pretty much it. Um... Mr. Professor 318 on all social media platforms. Like I said, we just hit 1.4 mil on TikTok. We appreciate that so much. Y'all keep on following, keep on supporting uh, Instagram, Facebook as well. You search at Mr. Professor 318. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's all on my bio, man. Go to my link tree and we got all of the stuff uh, for the, the podcast, for the Pick a Jam cards. Don't forget about Pick a Jam. You go to pickajam.com where it's right there. Go to pickajam.com. 
ticketjam.com and put in the promo code be great for uh 10% off of your purchase and free shipping. Can't beat that with a bet. Uh the Nick Harrison official We Rock Together tees are also on sale. We just put out the long sleeve tees, the hoodies, the sweatshirts. We got hats coming, we got stickers, all that stuff. So make sure you go to the link tree so you can go and get the merch and all that stuff. We're hitting uh sales goals left and right and we appreciate y'all for all of your support uh all the international stuff we're getting messages from germany from the uk from ireland of people who are ordering shirts who appreciate who uh, appreciate unity through music and we appreciate y'all for doing what you do Uh, of course the pay window every thursday uh like i said i'll be going out of out of the country uh just prayers and good thoughts for me as i'm taking my first international trip i'll be gone for a couple weeks uh doing some a top secret project that i can't really talk about because of all stuff that's signed and stuff like that but as soon as i'm able to tell everybody i'll let y'all know um if nobody's told you today you are loved you're appreciated you're important you're more than enough exactly as you are and always remember to be great thank you guys so much for tuning in and make sure you tune in next time for another exciting episode of the pay window. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. Bye. Peace.